Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fart. My, 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 my. Fart. My American. I've been tracking Sasquatches for 25 years. Fart. My American. Global awakening to the new world order. Pardon my American artificial intelligence Android. Pardon my American. Do you believe in UFOs? Yes, sir. Extraterrestrial. my American. What's happening, everyone? What is going on? Man, got a fun one coming up here for you. Oh yes. Um, before we get rolling, we got a guest on today. Excited about it. Um, before we get rolling, you guys go check out pardonmyamerican.com. Yep. If you like the hats we're wearing, if you want to support us. You guys have been doing awesome. I'm sending packages out left and right. It's Absolutely. been great. Um, also, make sure you get on there and, uh, you know, leave comments on if you're on Apple Podcasts. You're on, well, we're not on Spotify. Yeah, rate anymore. us, leave a review. It helps us out. So anything you guys can do. And thank you to the Patreons who continue to support us left and right. So mm-hmm. what do we got today, Greg? So today we have Representative Jim Walsh. He represents the 19th District in Washington State. Where uh, we're at. We voted for him. I yep, did. I don't I know did. if you guys did. but. Yes, sir. I'm proud to have him here. Um, Jim, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, sorry it's taken this long. We should have done it earlier. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's come down to the nitty-gritty here. I mean, things are getting tense in our state, and I feel like people need to hear answers as far as what's happening, what to expect. What can we do? What can we do? Actionable items, right? Yeah, we've worked with, uh, I mean, we've been friends with Lexi's Pizza and Bridget over there for a long time. She's been on our show multiple times. I know you've talked to her um, when they were doing the shutdowns back in the day, and we've heard nothing but good things about you. And uh, like like Greg said, we have a lot of questions because, you know, stuff's getting dicey around here, and people are, are getting really upset about what's happening, and uh, we want to know what your thoughts are. Yeah. Rightly so. They should be upset. Um, Greg? I know you had a load of questions to get going, right? For sure. Yeah, I mean, um, so with the mandates, it started out with 15 days to slow the spread, and now we're over a year into this. Um, I've watched several of your videos, and I know that you are pro-liberty. You're pro-medical choice. We're getting into mask mandates. Now we're getting into vaccine mandates. We've had numerous freedom rallies for our nurses and medical staff that are being forced and mandated into taking vaccines when they don't necessarily want to. Mm-hmm. And then now our teachers are being mandated and they're going to approve this for Pfizer. The word on the street is Pfizer will be approved by the FDA tomorrow on Monday. So the word on the street is then it will be mandated for all children. And so the concern is as parents in this community, what can we do to push back against this medical tyranny it seems like from governor Inslee. well i mean geez there's a lot to unpack there um yeah uh <laughs> the time has come i mean now's the time to start pushing back against Inslee, and uh this doesn't have anything to do with the particular pros and cons of wearing a mask in public or or taking the any of the covid uh shots um Let's uh, let's try to break this thing up into a couple of uh, 
couple of pieces where we can focus. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the FDA's process of reviewing the several therapies uh, that either protect people from COVID or at least minimize the, the effects of COVID on people uh, has been following a fast track in, in DC with the Food and Drug Administration. This is not an issue I deal with directly since I'm a state legislator in Olympia, but obviously everybody's been watching it. And, uh, and that's a fine thing. It's a fine thing. Now, there are a lot of questions about how uh, effective this lightning fast review can be mm -hmm. of the couple of different COVID shots. But the FDA, uh, while not perfect, far from perfect, I think uh, is trying to do the right thing. I think the people there, the medical doctors, the scientists are trying to do uh, a, an effective job of reviewing these therapies. And if they really are going to uh, uh, come out with a, a, a final approval of one of the therapies, I trust that that will have been done in a, in a good and, and, and conscientious and comprehensive way. So, but let's leave that aside. I mean, that, the fact remains whether uh, any of the therapies are finally approved by the Food and Drug Administration or not, um, taking them should remain a, a person's personal choice and a person's decision, uh, whether for himself or herself or for uh, children uh, in his or her family. And this is where we get into what I can talk about with more authority and more knowledge. And that's what this state is doing. Um, this state is really marching into some undiscovered country constitutionally and legally. And this is what I know. I'm not a scientist. I don't, I can't speak to to drug approval with any great amount yeah. of experience. I just well, know what everybody knows. Ha have you spoken to any scientists or any, have you reached out to talk about any alternative therapies or even just people that have developed the vaccine and talk to anybody from the FDA to see what rigorous studies have been done on these mandated shots? I haven't talked to anybody at the FDA directly. Um, I have a, yeah. I have an old uh, college friend who's actually a lawyer for the FDA. He's not a scientist. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did talk once or twice about what he sees going on there. But uh, no, I haven't talked with anyone uh, at the FDA. It's not, again, it, it's not a policy area where we at the state level deal direct. Um, uh, I've read and I've talked to local physicians, local health care providers, doctors, and a ton of nurses. Um, so my information on that process is driven more by local impressions of providers and practitioners than, uh, than the scientists at the FDA. But, but there's no question that here in, in our part of the world, in our part of Washington, there is some skepticism about the process that it's been too rushed back there at the FDA. Mm -hmm. And there is uh, a lot of interest in what the, the so-called alternative therapies are. When we, we've heard these in the media, hydroxychloroquine and invectinmin. Uh, that's the one that's hard to pronounce. Oh, the ivermectin um, one. Ivermectin. There we yeah. go. I can say hydroxychloroquine <laughs> more easily. Um, uh, so, so these so-called uh, alternative therapies, um, which maybe aren't that alternative. I mean, they were there at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. There's interest in those. I know there's interest in those here, and not just among ordinary blokes, but but uh, among doctors 
and uh, and nurse practitioners and others who who deal with healthcare issues for a living. So, uh, you know, our area is a little more independent in that way, uh, and certainly it's a part of the state, a part of the country that doesn't uh, like to be told what to do and and how to do it. We like to do things ourselves, and I yeah. think that's a healthy thing. Where um, you said you talked to local nurses and doctors, and I mean, where where are they standing right now? I mean, because we know personally, we know, I don't know, four or five of our, our fr- friends and close acquaintances who have left the local hospital here um, just out yep. of, you know, what's what's to come. And we have friends that are teachers. We I mean, we know many people that are highly concerned about their careers and all this all this time they've spent, you know, building up to becoming a teacher, becoming a doctor, becoming a nurse. And uh, they're they're highly afraid of what's about to happen and you know, their livelihoods are going to be completely changing. And and are you seeing that by talking to people and I mean, being at the protests, obviously. Well, sure. And uh, I I don't want to drag individuals into details in this discussion, but uh, I know that there are a number of nurses at one local facility in particular who are uh, uneasy about being forced to uh, take one of the current COVID shots and uh, and are uh, are standing strong against not doing it, and I think you're going to see uh, uh, a healthy response there. Uh, I think we're going to see that institution maybe softening its position a bit. We've seen this in other places. Uh, Oklahoma University, their medical center in Oklahoma City, tried to make a a mandate that all of its employees take a COVID shot. Uh, a significant number of them refused and that facility backed away. The LA Unified School District down in California, Los Angeles also tried to make a mandate to its teachers and staff that they take a, a COVID shot. There was a lot of objection there. They softened their position. Uh, I think there's a good chance that the institutions here in, in this state that are trying to take that hard line will end up having to soften their their policy position a little bit. And that's a healthy thing. Uh, the difference between what we've got going on here and uh, what happened in Oklahoma and what happened in Southern California is we've got a governor who is uh, basically just ripped up the state constitution and is trying to force these mandates where in those other examples it was the private institutions or or public institutions, but not the state government trying to force the mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm deeply concerned about where we are in this state right now. Uh, the governor's actions for the past year and a half have been problematic. The last couple of mandates are plainly unconstitutional. And I think we are in a constitutional crisis right now in Olympia and the state of Washington. Yeah, and that's that's been our position here, too. And it feels like the rules are just out the window. There's no more Constitution now. That's what it feels like. And I, I apologize. You could probably hear our children in the back. Uh, yeah. We have a bunch of kids. They're Never you know, apologize for that. Yeah, they're, they're doing their due. <laughs> We're a family. I mean, you know, we always have our families here. So, But it, it, as far as the rules have been broken or been broken for a while, they've been bent, it, people just feel hopeless. Because we've had this this great book called The Constitution that we've followed for so long, and now it seems like it's been burned, it's been put aside, We there's no history of it. Well, on top of that, you know, you got protests outside of hospitals and stuff, but that never feels like enough. You know, it's like you love seeing it, but it's not, you, you know, with Inslee, 
And I worked in Oregon for many years. In fact, most of us have worked in Oregon. We got Kate Brown. And, you know, it just feels like they're going to do what they want to do yeah. no matter what we say. And, and it's just this, how do you fix that? You know, that's the problem. Well, the protests, you know, there's a lot of back and forth on our side, and particularly in the liberty movement, about how effective protests are. And a number of good people think they aren't effective, that they're all sort of show and not much, you know, do. Um, but I disagree. I think that the protests and rallies are effective. Um, here, here's how. Uh, most people don't think about the Constitution. Most people don't think about the governor and, and uh, elected officials. Shoot, half the people I talk to think that I'm a United States senator or a, a federal <laughs> congressman. I, and these aren't stupid people. These are smart people. They just don't pay attention to government very much. And that generally is the sign of a healthy government. Mm -hmm. Generally, the government sort of hums along, does its thing. We can argue over this point or that point, tax policy or regulatory policy, whatever you want. Generally speaking, in the United States, the government kind of runs in its way and, and stays out of people's lives, generally. Yeah, the public shouldn't and, um, have to worry about it. Well, but and, I think and that's a good thing. I, mean, that's I don't know. I kind of, I kind of disagree, though. I feel like the public should be a part of the government, and that is what got us into this crisis and this mess. Is we are not involved enough to know what our rights are. We don't know enough of what's going on in Congress. I mean, we don't even know the name of our mayor. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like you're you're saying this, and I I was just thinking, yeah, what's the name of my mayor? I don't know. But it's just that level of detail that I don't know who has my back, that kind of thing, you know. And when our families are now on the line and everybody has their, their jobs on the line, who can they go to for help? And that's really because government should be our friends and family and we should know who's in our government. And it takes a crisis to alert, to wake some people up. And that's yeah. okay, too. I mean, that's what the founders figured. That's why the founding documents are so important, is that they are the alarm clock to wake people up. Yep. And, uh, and I think it's, it's beginning to work here. It hasn't worked for the past 10 years in, in this part of the world, particularly Washington, Oregon, um, because things have been going so well. I mean, the economies have been booming. And, and a, a, a successful economy hides a lot of mistakes of the government. And we've had, you know, in, in, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we've had sort of riches to riches. I mean, initially, of course, it was the timber industry and, and, and Weyerhaeuser and its network of uh, supporting companies. And then we had, uh, we had Boeing that emerged out of the timber business into the aerospace business. And it's huge network of related companies supporting companies subcontractors uh consulting firms and then we uh we had microsoft and nike for those in oregon nike happened about that same time microsoft did and these companies lifted the local economies uh, made it real easy to make a living as a marketing person or as a as a design person you know mm -hmm. you could live uh, a very comfortable life in this area designing ads for a shoe company, you know, designing box sets for Windows 98 
you know, <laughs> a lot of people made a very good living doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's and, um, that's a good point that you make because a lot of those large corporations have a liberal mindset. They're very left leaning as far as the political scheme goes. So they could afford to be. They could afford to be. They were making their money much more on their uh, the appreciation of their stocks in the public stock markets. Uh, and that's uh, that gives people a, a sort of inflated notion of genius. Yeah. And, um, and uh, that, uh, you know, the Microsoft millionaires were, have been a dangerous lot in the long run to local politics for that reason. They uh, they think they're expert at everything because they hit a they hit a what do they call it? A four bagger yeah. uh, with uh, the success of that company. Well, so uh, when because you're a Republican. And you ran yeah. in 2016, correct? And that's when you won. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. I, in a district that was perceived as being uh, impossible for a conservative or a Republican. I'm, I'm a Republican. I come out of the Liberty Caucus and the Republican Party, kind of the the Ron Paul, yep. Rand Paul wing of the party. And uh, so we're reformers within the Republican Party and not always loved, frankly, by uh, by some parts of the party. But, uh, but I'm sort of a Ron Paul guy, uh, and uh, I just, living in this area and driving around and talking to people, I, I just, I knew this area was, uh, was, it, was not a conventionally, you know, authoritarian, progressive, gentry, liberal type place. Um, it's working people. It's people who respect guns and respect property and, uh, and don't like a lot of the that uh, the Microsoft millionaire progressive authoritarian mindset. So I ran in 2016. Um, I'd been involved in politics, but I, never as an elected person, never running for office. Um, I just thought there was an opportunity to, uh, to kind of change the direction of this part of Washington. And uh, the first race was razor thin. It was real close, but I beat a, a more establishment uh, Democrat type candidate who really didn't have a lot to say, uh, although she'd been born in, in Longview uh, and was from here. She'd lived most of her adult life in Seattle and just brought all that garbage with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, in 2018, I run every two years. Uh, yeah. State legislators are like con- Congress members. It's every two years. So you get this feeling you're kind of constantly running. Yeah. Um, in 2018, I ran against a more polished opponent also a woman, very, uh, very articulate. Uh, but she, she tried to portray herself as a, as a moderate, um, but ended up uh, sort of the mask slipped at a couple of the debates and forums. And it was pretty clear she was pretty far left. But it's and been, then, it's been pretty close though, right? I mean, those two you- were close. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2020, uh, I ran against a, another a, a woman again. A opponent was a woman, and this one was uh, was a Bernie Sanders, Bernie Pratt. I mean, a real. She didn't even pretend she was moderate. Very far left. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2020, I was reelected by 20. percent So that's good. It was, a, it was a pretty big win. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we like to see. And I, I love Ron Paul, by the way. So that's great to hear that you yeah. are part of the Liberty Movement because it's all about choice and it's about freedom and it's about. Um, really just your community. And when, when you have your community now feeling threatened, and I know that um, a lot of people will, will keep their jobs 
but there's going to be a substantial amount that will move. They'll quit and they'll they'll move to another state. They're going to move to another area. Yep. That's already happening. Yeah. yeah. And the, a large, we've large, talked about this ourselves, man. I mean, this is yeah. something that you know, you, you know, Seattle. It always seems like King County, Seattle, dictates so much of this state. And we've lived here our whole lives in Longview. We're in Longview, and we got friends all over the state. We got friends in Oregon, and it's just like the reality of what they're trying to push doesn't seem like our reality. You know what I'm saying? Like what Seattle's talking about and what's happening there is not the reality here. And yeah. when I'm working in downtown Portland, that reality is not this reality. It's like the, you know, the homeless crisis that all the other issues that are going on, but how do you fix it when Seattle seems to be just running with Inslee this whole time? So my question to you is, is like when you've talked to people, even Democrats, is this really a party line situation or are you seeing left-leaning individuals that are like, ah, I'm not really, I'm not really on board with this either. Is it something that's party line or is it not? That's a great question. Um, for the moment, I mean, up till now, they've managed that the, the Democrats in Olympia, including and starting with the governor and working down, have uh, been able to hold their party line very effectively. Uh, I mean, I admire it in a tactical sense, although I hate it uh, philosophically. Um, and it's not the governor himself. He's a very weak man. But it's the circle of advisors around uh, the governor uh, until... Uh, about a year ago, his chief of staff was a guy called David Postman, who is a very smart politician, never elected anything, former journalist. Uh, but Postman is very smart, very crafty, and was able to be uh, help this sort of doddering governor be effective. Uh, Postman has left, and there's kind of a funny story behind that. But um, uh, And now there's a, a slightly younger and, and greener group of inside advisors to Inslee, uh, they're still somewhat effective, and, but they're very left. While Inslee himself, and I mean, this is going to sound like I'm being sarcastic, but it's not. Inslee is not a deep man, and he is not even really a man of the far left. He's a old school establishment Democrat, but he is guided by people from the far left wing of the Democrat Party. And, uh, and as I've said, some of them are clever. Some of them are genuinely smart tactically, some less so. But don't doubt that their politics, their philosophy, is what I call progressive authoritarian. And, uh, and, and you can flop those around. You can say authoritarian progressive. They use the cover of humanist progressive politics to justify authoritarian beliefs about what government is and what it should do. And the whole idea of government kind of humming along, being under the radar, not being involved in your lives, they're totally not down with that. They are the opposite. They think government ought to be defining everything in people's lives. Uh, because like some of those Microsoft millionaires, they just are certain they know better. They think they can run your life better than you can. And uh, that was going to be one of my questions. How, how much of this is actual concern for the public of the state and how much of it is tactics to, to just want to stay in power and have power and make money? The, uh, that's a great question. In the case of the governor himself, I think he really believes he's looking out for the best interest of people, but there's arrogance in that 
in his assumption that he knows what what's best for you better than you do. But basically, it's kind of naive and frankly stupid. But there are people behind him who are not naive and not stupid, and they are greedy for power and greedy for for control. And they're they're Marxists. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And and some Mm -hmm. of them don't even know they're Marxists, but their political philosophy is authoritarian. And they want the power of government. And then you talk about the money, the money, the status, the other things that flow are secondary to the power of being able to tell people how to live. And um, you see the same thing among the other elected officials and and people in the state legislature. And by the way, you can apply this, I think, equally well to Oregon, although my analysis of Oregon is, um, it's a little more complicated and a little less toxic in Oregon. Uh, uh, Brown is probably a smarter person than Inslee is. And for that reason, she's not quite as easily manipulated as Inslee is. Um, And generally the balance of power is a little better in Oregon. Um, some simple mechanical things, uh, their quorum rules for their legislature allow the minority to block more activity, more actions, whereas in Washington, the quorum rules really favor the majority, and it's almost, it's tactically near impossible for the minority to block an action. Um, so there's some differences that make Oregon a little better in this, in this sense. Um, Washington's in a bad place. Uh, our constitution, a beautiful thing that I love, and in some ways better than the federal constitution, uh, has been twisted and manipulated by some bad actors. And it's so it's the people around the governor. Um, some of the lower electeds are just as authoritarian. The, recently, we've seen the mask just fall away from the uh, the elected superintendent of public instruction in Washington. The uh, basically K-12 schools head, a fellow by the name of Chris Reichtel, mm-hmm. who has uh, always pretended to be a kind of moderate Democrat. But just lately, he's shown himself to be an authoritarian and a, and a, and a hard leftist. Um, the, uh, the woman who runs the Department of Natural Resources, another statewide elected position, the commissioner of public lands, um, is a hard leftist. Uh, a very mediocre attorney who uh, you know, got involved in radical environmental politics because she was bad at being a lawyer and, uh, and is now the elected commissioner of public lands in the state of Washington and is absolutely screwing up that job. Um, well, and, and then it gets down into the legislature. The yeah. Speaker of the House and the, the state Senate direct leader are, well, the Speaker is a person of the far left. The state Senate leader is uh, probably not probably more a traditional democrat but but he's the only one in a decision making position who's like that well that's this is goes to my point this i think this is why people are just deciding to move because they feel that it is so deep that they their um their philosophy is so deeply entrenched within our government local all the way up to the governor and it, they just feel like it's hopeless. There's nothing that they can do. So why why stay here? Let's just move. Well, to put a question onto what he's saying, um, you know, with the mandates, like what is your suggestion to the people here? What should they do besides just protesting? Like if they're forced with this thing, should they let the jobs just fire them and take action afterwards? Like 
do you have recommendations? Like I know with Lexi's and they, we were talking about the shutdown, which we could be facing another shutdown. Obviously that's always a possibility, a complete shutdown, but um, you know, what should, what action should we be taking going forward with this stuff? Like what is the best approach that you see? Well, resistance for sure. Um, if you're in a situation where they are threatening to fire you for uh, non-compliance with a mandate, um, don't quit, make them fire you, let them fire you, uh, and, uh, and resist. I mean, just resist as long as you can. If they tell you to put a mask on, say no. Try to be reasonable about it, but uh, you know, stand for your, stand for your rights. I, I, I'm also advising people to seek exemptions. Some people in the liberty world think that seeking uh, the, the statutory exemptions to the mandates is something you shouldn't do because that acknowledges the legitimacy of the mandate. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that analysis. I, I think you should pursue an exemption uh, every inch that you can, uh, either medical or religious. And, uh, and just fight tooth and nail against these unconstitutional mandates. Um, you, well, I do have a follow-up with that. So have sure. you guys heard or have any projections on local hospitals, how much of the workforce would actually be lost due to these mandates? Have you guys had any projections on that, even schools? Yeah, I'm not sure I want to say. Uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of a tactical advantage. Um, I get you. It's not small. I yeah. think it's in the neighborhood of a third to half of the workforce. So what are we going to do, though? I mean, if we don't have a hospital staff, are we shutting the hospitals down? No. no. Yeah, I don't think so. Do it's that. it's just they'd be overworked and then everybody be stressed. And yeah. then they're going to realize they have an untenable position as the Oklahoma University Hospital Medical Center and OKC realized. Yeah, and they're going to have to be more reasonable. Well, yeah, and it's just at that point is, when, when push comes to shove at that point, so the, the straw has to break somewhere. Well, it's what they've done with the police force, right? Everybody fired all their police staff. And then a couple months later, we need to hire some police now because we're having or an they, issue. They left because of policy. Uh, mind you, the, uh, the governor's edict on uh, COVID shots uh, can only apply to those agencies that answer directly to his office. The, the executive branch bureaucracies, so state agencies. Uh, and uh, his theory for trying to make the mandate on healthcare workers and teachers are different. The theory on healthcare workers has to do with their state licenses. Nurses and doctors, of course, have to have state licenses to practice. Uh, and, uh, and for the teachers, it's kind of the same thing. And, and for the teachers, his mandate was a different mandate. So it's worded slightly differently, but but uh, he can't tell a, a sheriff what to do. He has no direct oversight of a sheriff's office or a, a local police force. He does have direct oversight of the Washington State Patrol. And it's very interesting that a group of 200 patrol troopers have said that they are not going to comply with the, uh, the shot mandate. And uh, I think that uh, someone's going to blink there and it's not going to be the troopers. Do you know it, what... 200 officers represents as far as a percentage of their workforce? It is not 50%, but it's a significant minority. Okay. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, you know, unfortunately you watch the news anymore and you you watch what's happening in Australia, you watch what's happening in some foreign countries and you see the 
the police uh, actively forcing people to take vaccinations or, or putting people in places. And I know that's not America, but it's hard not to look at that and see that the direction that they've gone, for example, is a direction that you can almost pinpoint that, you know, there's a lot of governors and representatives pushing that here. Do you, uh, you know, that's what people are scared with. Like, are the cops going to fall in line like they are in other country? Are we going to bring in, you know, Kate Brown says she's going to bring the national guard in for hospitals, but that's alarming to people that are like, really for hospitals? Like, I mean, how do you get people to understand? Like, how do you get cops to tell the tell their people that, hey, I'm not going to do this? You know, like, we're not going to go down this path because people are afraid of that. Don't be afraid. Um, our Constitution in the state of Washington is clear about the proper order of government. It is clearer than the federal Constitution on your right to privacy and your right to freedom of conscience. Um, I can't, I mean, I I can't resist digging down in the details of what the Washington State Constitution says. Remember, the Washington State Constitution doesn't have the Bill of Rights at the end, like the federal Constitution does. In the Washington State Constitution, the Bill of Rights comes at the beginning, in Article 1. Article 1 of the State Constitution outlines your rights as a citizen or resident in the state of Washington. And this is where I love the Washington State Constitution. It's so clear. Um, where in the federal constitution, there is no explicit right to privacy. It's a right that's inferred, assumed, because of the language that is in the constitution with regard to the right not to self-incriminate and the right not to have troops uh, living in your home. Um the state constitution, the state constitution is crystal clear. Article 1, Section 7 talks plainly about your rights to not be disturbed in your person, in your affairs. It's an explicit right to privacy. Um, the Washington State Constitution, Article uh, 1, Section 11, which is analogous to the First Amendment, the federal constitution's discussion of uh, freedom of religion, also talks about freedom of conscience, which goes beyond religion, the practicing religion. Yeah. And the state constitution is clear that every person here has the right to the freedom of consciousness, to, to think, uh, to conscience, to, to think and believe as he or she thinks and believes. And so the governor's recent, really poorly written slapdash effort to try to claim that there is no right to exempt oneself from his mandates is just not constitutionally valid. I think that, and, that uh, that's very important because people need to hear that. They need to know what their rights are because, honestly, I don't feel like a lot of people even know that there is a Washington state constitution. You know what I mean? And so yeah. they don't know what their rights are, and I think that you being a, a representative can help that. And just push that out and say, you guys, stand up. This is your right. If somebody comes up and tells you to do this, show them all these, the Bill of Rights, you know, I mean, one by one. I just, I feel like. In Article 1, Section 1, the very beginning of the state constitution, all political power is inherent in the people. And governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. And those governments exist to protect and maintain individual rights. That's the first 
Those are the first lines of the state constitution. Yeah, I think that that's so important because and we've been telling people like just you know you got to stand your ground. Exactly. You know, that's what it is. Don't fold. Don't bend the knee because there are people. I mean, we know people that have got this vaccine because they felt like they had to. Like, well, I just thought that I had to. Like, you know, if I don't, I'm not going to be able to do this. And or even just wear a mask. You know, it's like, yeah, we're just. I think you need to stand your ground. If you believe in something, don't don't give into it. Because like you said, there's a chance that they can waver off of this once they see that people are not going to follow through with it. Because they know they can't have half the teachers gone. Like they're going to be screwed if they have half the teachers gone. The class are, I mean, those children are going to, they're, they're already not getting the education they deserve Yeah. with all these mandates that are happening. It's going to be, it's going to be worse. And then the hospital waits. I mean, Chris just had yeah. to go to the hospital a couple months ago and he ended up just leaving. Because he just sat there. And for so, three hours. and that's going to get worse. So, even people that are for this are going to eventually see that this wasn't the best move. That's at least the goal, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Look, we need to be clear to be anti mandate doesn't mean you're anti COVID shot, it doesn't mean you're anti mask. It means you're anti a dawdling governor running amok over the state constitution almost two years into a declared emergency trying to create law which he can't do that's what we're against yeah i have no um, you know if someone chooses to take one of the COVID shots, that is absolutely their yeah. choice. That's, and that's been our position this whole time. It's like your choice. It's my body, your choice, right? Or my body, my choice, not my body, your choice. And that's been our argument this whole time is just leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do because it's my personal choice and it's my personal freedom. Yeah. And you know that the, the authoritarians know that they've got a losing hand because they can't acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge that those of us who are objecting and resisting this governor's unconstitutional actions are not anti-vaxxers. We're not anti-maskers. We're anti-tyranny. Yeah. And But they can't admit that. So they have to say, well, they're anti-vaxxers, they're anti-maskers. And that isn't real. Well, they have to, they have to flip it somehow because they don't have a leg to stand on when they try to argue it. Well, and the thing for us is like running this podcast, you know, we have, we have a lot of followers on, on audio and we're on YouTube, but, um, YouTube is, we've been banned from YouTube. We've been banned from Spotify, um, for talking about hydroxychloroquine. We've been banned for talking, I mean, ivermectin's a thing, you know, do you, do you, we don't even, we don't suggest people take that. We just talk about it as options. And my question, do you think that they're, you know, like Inslee and his goons down below him, would you, do they even acknowledge that there's other options or do they just ignore that in hopes that they can push Pfizer? You know what I mean? Like, is, is that even a thing in, in local government that they acknowledge ivermectin as a possibility or do they not even want to look at it? They're not deep thinkers. None of them are. Um, They uh, probably have heard about the alternative therapies, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and they probably think, well, that's Trump. I mean, I'm serious. That This is how these people think. Trump, no. Trump, Trump, Trump. And they don't know anything about how these, these alternative therapies have been used for years, you know, how they can battle the effects of a viral uh, infection. Uh, they, uh, they don't know this stuff. They, they, 
they operate by uh, primarily a, a, a threadbare kind of emotionalism. That again, as I said before, it really hides. It's not humanist. It's not progressive. It hides their real impulses, which are authoritarian. But they're to the extent that they put on the mask, the show, what they say in the press conferences, it's this kind of idiot, false empathy. And uh, but it's not. They don't think anything. I mean, uh, you can listen to the governor at his press conferences. He doesn't. He doesn't know any, you know, he talks about vaccines and he says it will save people. It will save people. I'm concerned about saving people. Um, but he doesn't know anything about the mechanics of how these therapies work. Um, he refers sloppily to the three main types of shot that there have been for COVID and interchanges references to them in a way that shows he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about and he then he brings out the head of the state department of health who uh, frankly isn't a whole lot better and uh, is only the latest the second head of the department of health who's been been in that position since the covid outbreak started about a year and a half ago um and uh it's telling that the previous head of the state department of health skedaddled out of state um because, uh, frankly, that, that bureaucracy at the State Department of Health has been playing games with statistics, holding information, to, you know, on a political basis for when they release it, you know, cherry picking weird statistics. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, the main objection I've always had, and you guys have probably heard me talk about this before, is this whole idea of tracking cases of COVID, uh, a fairly useless statistic. Yeah. Uh, when you're dealing with a viral outbreak moving through a, a population of a place, really what you want to watch is the crude mortality rate. How many people are dying? And um, the, the good news for anybody who's worried, who feels helpless, who feels like they want to move to South Dakota or Idaho, is the numbers of mortality, the rates, the numbers of people dying are, are dropping fast and have been for a while. And um, while it's, you know, it's a tragedy when anyone dies of a sickness like this you have to really ask yourself is this a, a viral outbreak that is causing enough mortality causing enough deaths that it's worth shredding the constitutional rights you have to live your life as you want to and um so when it comes that to may like, have been true a year and a half ago but but it's increasingly untrue now mm -hmm. so when it comes to the governor issuing these mandates and and things like that. Is there any pushback amongst the legislation to, to try to acknowledge these statistics that not every, the number of people dying, this doesn't directly correlate to how bad they're saying this is. Is there, is there any, anyone going against saying these mandates and all this isn't necessary? We've been screaming it from the rooftops. I mean, we ran uh, no fewer than five or six bills in the last session that would have constrain the governor's emergency powers not just in this case but in any case um uh, we've been trying to talk about this we've been trying to talk about crude mortality rate versus this case infection rate um the, the trouble is the speaker of the house in olympia uh works part-time uh, for the pierce uh tacoma pierce county health department 
and is simply a true believer that this is Ebola, mm-hmm. not yeah. COVID. Yeah, and it's, I, it, you know, but that screams conflict of interest to me. That you could you could yeah. serve both in the public square and as a someone who could be a benefit or a benefactory of some hospital care. Right. But the hyperbolic response, the government overreach to something that's equivalent of the flu, let's be honest, the symptoms, the the mortality, it's on par with the flu. It's worse, but you know, it's closer to the flu than Ebola, yes. For sure. But and now you're asking um this blanket treatment, one vaccine for every person's body. My body is different than Dave's. Dave's body is different than Chris's. We all react differently to doses, medicines. This is the first time that I've ever seen a medical blanket just applied to a general population that this is the only way to prevent something. This is the only prophylactic response that we have is one vaccine or three, whatever the main ones are. But, I mean, what happened to diet? What happened to health? I mean, there's statistics when this first came out, obesity contributed to a three times, you were three times higher to go into the hospital with COVID if you're obese. Have we heard any public outreach about, hey, let's do some exercise. Let's watch what you eat. This could like maybe help you not get COVID so bad. I haven't heard anybody talk about that. Oh, yeah. No, they're, 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 they won't admit that uh, the great majority of, of the mortality cases, which there have been the deaths, have been uh, comorbidities. Yeah. People who already had health problems. And, uh, you know, this is a story as old as time. I mean, remember back to the worst of the AIDS crisis. People rarely died of AIDS. They would die of pneumonia. They would die of something else, you know, made worse by by AIDS. And, and you have a similar, it's not exactly the same, but a similar dynamic here where people who are already have, you know, you know heart disease heart <laughs> disease pulmonary problems MS. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, diabetes these things the you know covid is like the final insult that mm-hmm. they push them over but but they were sick to start with and uh, and there's no you know i say this we talk about this here and the threadbare phony empathy of the left you know clutches its pearls and starts wailing that we don't care about people and um, but then they behind that phony empathy are policies that are inhumane. I mean, that don't give a damn about people's beliefs. That don't give a damn about people's individual self agency, self ownership, and are waiting for the opportunity to tell people what to do and how to live. Yeah. And well, yeah. I mean, this is a great test. They're able to see in this whole process what percentage of the population will do what they're told. Yeah, that's what this is, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you couldn't hit that on the nail. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that's what this whole response is. It's who will do what they're told. Chris, did you have something there, man? Or no? Ah, uh, no. Okay, so before we have to let you go, um, where do you see this state in a year or two years? What do you think is going to happen? Because we got. I mean, I, you know, listen, I know where we stand. Uh, I'm not happy with Biden right now. I'm not happy. I wasn't happy when he came in office. I wouldn't be happy with Kamala if she gets the seat. But 
where do you think, do you think there's going to be any kind of shifting? I mean, do you think that people are waking up to this, that we could see a change in Washington state or is this a long fight that we're, we're going to have to be battling? I do. I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Um, I think, uh, and I've seen it in the eyes of the nurses in Longview and, and I've seen it in some local races. There are some great school board races happening. Unfortunately, not so much in Longview, but all, all other parts of the state, including our region, there are some great school board races happening. And I think you're going to see some school board races and some some city council races. Remember, in, in the odd number of years in our state, we focus on local elections. So this fall, this November, it's school boards and city councils for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see some really great developments there. You're going to see young people who are constitutionally minded and didn't even really know how much they were mm-hmm. a year ago or two years ago. Uh, I think you're going to see young mothers, young women. And when I say young, I mean, in their thirties yeah. um, who are activated by all this stuff that's been going on and they bust the model the establishment left and the state uses that women are a, you know, plus three to 10 liberal voting block. That's not real. I mean, that may have been how it was in in the last few cycles. Women are individuals. Women will vote on their own interests, the interests of their kids and their parents. And I think you're going to see a lot of, they'll call them conservative women, but they're not really conservative. They're just practical-minded common sense with it getting involved in in local elections this time and then next year in 2022 when we were back to our state level legislative races i think you're going to see major gains at the federal level i think that the speaker of the house in dc not in olympia but in dc is done and i think she knows she's done and uh i think you're going to see the other side get the majority there in 2022 and uh the real, this is the beginning of a pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. The real uh, apex is going to be the election cycle in 2024. That's the next time the governor, commissioner of public lands, all the big jobs come up in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I well, think yeah. you're going to see uh, major changes in 2024. Yeah, I think the the silver lining to this COVID shutdown and the government overreach and the, the tyrannical governors is people waking up and joining their local governments and the grassroots movements that you've been seeing as far as the rallies, the, the protests pushing back against it. Yeah. We have a lot of friends who uh, always say that, you know, like politics don't affect me. I do my work. I go home, I eat dinner, I hang out with my wife. Like I don't give a crap about any of this stuff. And um, we've been saying that there's always a line in the sand. There's always that, that final thing. And when it comes to children and schooling, that's when you start seeing mothers parents in general yeah. go on, wait a second, you know, like now yeah. we're, we're messing with my children. And I, I feel like that's the one thing that's been positive is seeing the uh, outreach when it comes to the school boards and people showing up and being active because it's nonsense. I mean, it's nonsense and we, we have to be able to have a right. So I, I am optimistic that people are waking up to this. Yeah. Well, there was a story just recently in Longview, uh, a uh, deranged person not wearing any clothes broke into someone's home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that someone was a youngish mother and she plugged the guy. Yep. She shot him dead. And uh, 
I think that story, which the local media has been handling very carefully, um, is going to stand, I think, as a kind of metaphor for uh, for the political direction of the next uh, one to three years. Mm-hmm. I agree, Wait, man. I don't want to picture uh, Inslee naked at all. <laughs> you just You just made me think about that. Dang it. <laughs> that's not where my mind wanted to go <laughs> trying well, no, to extend I, the metaphor a long way yes, yeah. but, I, but i think it works <laughs> well i'm I, you know I, i'm glad to have you on i'm you know i wish we could talk for hours um but you know we're you know our reach has always been we're all over the place right we have reaches yeah. all over the country and we a lot of our followers are from out of the country which is awesome but you know we're trying to do our part here and we yeah. want to be more active here and it's great that we have representatives like yourself who are putting yourself out there and being with the people and talking with people and uh, helping put up the fight. You know, this is a fight that we need to be engaged with. And, and any parent listening, you know, you need to be, you know, you need to know what's going on in the schools. You need to know what's happening with uh, policy and know your rights and know your rights. Yeah. That uh, article one, the first part of the state constitution is a great one. And, and like I say, I've been saying for a while, you know, we on the political right, the state, we want to take control of the government and leave you alone. Yeah. Well, I hope we get the opportunity to meet in person at one of these protests or any situation. Um, and, you know, I hopefully you can help us reach more people and we can help you reach more people and, and just uh, put up a good fight against this. And, and yeah, and feel free if you have an Instagram page or a Facebook page, if you want us to share this with you, we can, you know, extend it out. So absolutely. Oh, yeah, sure. I definitely will. Send me a link and we'll do it. Um, let's try to talk again after November, okay. but maybe before the first of the year, the next, there's been some talk of a special session in Olympia. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, the governor and the speaker just don't want to take the risk of people like me actually making some headway against this, the mandates. So there, the next regular session starts in January of the new year again. And, uh, but let's talk and let's try to talk like after the November local elections and we can maybe, you know, use some real data, some real results from what happened in those mm-hmm. and uh, use it to forecast into the next uh, couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch with you and uh, thank you for all the work that you do for the communities around here. And I know a lot of people appreciate it. I really do. Well, thanks. And you guys keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you are the, uh, well, I was going to say you're the, the edge of new media, but you know, you probably aren't anymore. This is now establishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, man. Yeah. You. you take care of yourself. Thanks, Jim. All so right. We'll talk to, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Awesome interview, man. Cool. It's nice to uh, catch up with somebody who's, you know, got their foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? And there's just a lot going on. Well, yeah. So watching, I watched several of his videos Mm -hmm. and he is very much pro-liberty and that's what we need. And he even admitted it, Um, you know, Ron Paul and the Liberty movement. And it's, it's really up to your choice. And that's what the the final driver is. It's nobody's business. What you put in your body shouldn't take rights away from anyone. Yeah. And, And, you know, if you want to take it by all means do so. And if you don't, you shouldn't have to. And, you know, there's there's still things that I'm I'm nervous about. Obviously, um, yeah. I think that I think personally, it's a it's a bigger fight in the state. You know, I, I I'm I'm optimistic that people are starting to open their eyes a little bit, but I think it's going to have to get rough, like very rough, 
before we get to a point where we see some real change. Well, yeah, and, and Jim called out, you know, we have the Constitution. It clearly states X, Y, and Z. However, we also see what Jay Inslee thinks of that Constitution. That's what I'm saying. That was yeah. the one thing is, like, you know, we have the Constitution, and I think that he was talking about, you know, how important that Constitution is. However, he also did say that Inslee is all about shredding that sucker up. Yeah. So just because it's there doesn't mean it always will be there, and we got to make sure that we're fighting to maintain those those freedoms that we all seek and love you know what i'm saying that makes yeah. this makes this country great state yeah. great it goes back to what he was saying i mean as americans as washingtonians as because every state has their own constitution yeah. you you just got to stand up and push back and eventually they're gonna have to back down well and dang it do your diligence find the washington state constitution and read it Know your representatives, know your, know, you know, be more involved. You know, I, I do think when you brought that up, I think that's a great point, man. Like a lot of people vote based off of what letter is next to that person, yeah. regardless of what they believe. And unfortunately, that's why we're in the mess that we're in, because we're getting house speakers or speakers or legislation or whoever legislators they literally don't have your best interests at heart, but you voted him in. I mean, how many people voted for Joe Biden because they hate Donald Trump and they're totally regretting it right now? A lot. There's a lot. That's not hyperbolic. There are a lot yeah. that are like, I had no idea. I just read an article to Chris from Newsweek that said like France and UK are all saying like, I thought America was back. People bought into this. Like if we get Joe Biden back, we'll be back in business. Yeah. Boy, is that, that just the most understated thing ever. Uh-huh. We are hurting right now and people are going to be hurting in the next couple months they will and you have to stand your ground and you have to let them do what they're going to do never never quit let them fire you and try to make a coalition of people that are in the same boat as you so that we can take actions afterwards because that we're on the right side here i'm convinced that we're on the right side of history right well, now. yeah and my one takeaway from that interview was that the power's in the numbers and yeah. so yes you going to the store without a mask on mm, that that's uncomfortable. But the more you do that, someone will see you and yeah. they will be inspired by that. And yeah. they go, okay, I'm taking my mask off. I've done it. Yeah. I've seen somebody at a store and I go, yeah, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Don't hesitate to remind your elected officials what it means to be an American. Yeah. That's what makes this country great, man. Yeah. But I mean, unite together, stand together with the numbers. We can change this crap. It's possible. I think it is. But we, we you got to do it to do yeah. it to see you know so hey, you know great interview uh very yeah, excited awesome. to have him on uh, yeah thanks again jim thank you so much we will definitely have him back on when when time allows and yes. hopefully november and we can discuss what what's happening and should be an interesting time around that we appreciate all you guys that listen to our podcast and give Chris, us love and support raise your raise your glasses all right until next time everyone have a great night guys Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.